Hey, welcome back to Kidmin Talk. This is Carl Bastian coming to you from Kidology. And this is the 97th Kidmin Talk podcast. And if you've been watching the last several episodes, you know I have uh, changed up the format a little bit. So you may be watching this, um, the video. There's Craig Wilson sitting right there, uh, just itching to equip and encourage you. Or you may be listening on iTunes or on the website Um, as I've been doing now for several years. But either way, we are glad that you are here. Today we've got a great topic. We're going to be talking about getting outside the walls of the church. But first, I just want to give a big thank you to Discipler, who is uh, sponsoring this podcast, a great one-stop shop where you can just get access to all kinds of curriculum, download it, give access to your teachers and volunteers. They can teach right from their iPads, right there in the classroom. Check it out, discipler.com. That's D-I-S-C-L-I-P-R.com. I think I did that right. It's like Discipler without the E. It's not a typo. It, it just didn't have a trademark on it, I think. But it's awesome, and it's worth checking out. So um, we're going to get going here. We're going to have a Kidman Talk conversation with kids, Pastor Kidman extraordinaire Craig Wilson. Hey, Craig, welcome to the show today. Hey, thanks, Carl. I feel like I should have held out for three more so I could have been the hundred. I feel a little, I feel a little ripped off. I right know. I, I should sell the hundredth spot. You know what I mean? Yeah. I should hey, do I'd that. Buy you know, it's kind of funny we're doing this on Skype. That just shows right. how lazy we are because we're both here in Colorado. <laughs> we could have got in the car, you know, we could have met halfway. Um, I'm a little jealous out. of you hey. though, because you're you're a little closer to the mountains than me, so yeah. Um, I think we're just far enough apart where this was this was the right route to go. Yeah, it's practical. <clears throat> Plus, how would we do it? We'd have to like set up our laptops next to each other, and then we'd have sound interference. Uh, it, you know, it. This is probably easier, ironically. Yeah. Um, but anyway, hey, I'm glad you're here, guys. If you don't know Craig, um, you probably have benefited from some of the stuff that he's done. He's got some resources on Kidology. Um, some have been on there for a long time. Perhaps you've gotten his uh, canned goods, um, some really cool kids' church uh, materials. Um, I love these um, flash animation things that I've used them at camp, where there's like superheroes on the screen and they're actually voice activated. The kids are screaming, and the superheroes are going up and down and and shooting. The, those are really cool. And I'll put a link in the in the show notes. Can you tell them briefly how that came about? That that's really cool. <clears throat> Yeah, well, the, uh, so the canned goods curriculum itself was uh, birthed out of the idea of, you know, we always found ourselves for VBS events, style events, or midweek stuff, or different things we were doing, we always found that we uh, would purchase a curriculum, and there's way more in there that we need, because we always take the main framework and adjust it to what we're doing. So the canned goods was kind of just meant to be a framework, and because uh, we know you're going to adjust it to, to who your congregation is, who your children's ministry is. But the one thing that we tried to throw in was just lots of bells and whistles. And I was really fortunate to have a partner who was just incredibly creative with flash animation and was able to create these uh, interactive games. We had some interactive uh, Bible trivia games that were very Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon vibe characters. But then these voice-activated games, those are the guys that um, crowd control. Uh, We worked with them to get the application to do it. I recommend checking out crowd control games as well. You can find more cool stuff like that there too and uh but basically yeah think of it like having a giant room full of kids (laughs) and having them 
voice activate characters. Uh, yeah, it, it's really cool. I think of, like, the, the superhero one, like way before that was way before uh, Flappy Bird, right? Yeah, exactly. So like Flappy Bird, but voice activate. Right? Yeah, it was really Moving cool. It up and, down. and then you're one of these guys that. Um, you know, like you said, maybe takes the framework and then also just write stuff on your own. And I have so many friends like you that write great stuff. And then I say, man, you got to get that on Kidology. And then they always say, oh, yeah, I want to. Or sometimes they tell me they will. I have some friends been promising me for 20 years that they're going to get stuff on Kidology. And you were the first guy that finally took me up on the concept of, dude, don't you don't need to get it ready for publishing. Just give us the skeleton because creatives like me and so many listening, that's all they need. They just need the skeleton, maybe the graphics you created. And so we launched this DIY do-it-yourself area on Kidology. And you've already got three on there. And there's a rumor you've got a fourth one coming. I won't put you on the spot on the podcast. Um, but yeah. yeah, there's a build really one. Date to be determined. Yeah, yeah, date to be determined. I, I, I should make you commit to something, but I won't do that. Um, but you've got a whole Lego one on there, a whole glow in the dark one, a spy theme one, and it's just kidology.org slash DIY. But folks, that that page was designed to not be just uh, Craig stuff, but really to be able to add others. So if you've just created some amazing VBS or outreach event, and there's a folder on your computer that's just got all that stuff in there. You can clean it up, take your church address off, your phone number off, kind of make it generic, but you don't have to get ready to sell. You don't have to explain it all. You know, when you buy something published, you know, you expect them to really have a leader's guide and and training videos and all that. And the DIY idea is no, we don't need all that because we're creative people. We know all that. Just we just want that raw cool uh, who's calling me right now i'm recording a podcast <laughs> uh um, mr president you'll just have to wait so uh, i usually th- throw those phones in the furnace room when i'm recording and i totally forgot so um, you'll just have to ignore that for a minute <sighs> and i won't even bother editing this out so anyway uh those are fantastic um but you're kind of a a, a preteen guy too you've do- you've done some work with preteens stuff in the yeah. past yeah, like you, Carl. I'm a dinosaur. I've been at this a long time, and I can remember when my uh, my boss and mentor years ago asked me to uh, to um, uh, you know start a preteen ministry, and I was like, w- w- a what? You know, yeah. nobody was even using the word back then. I mean, we had to define one... that for people. Yeah, I could only find one one other group in California that was doing it, and uh, got to hear them at a leadership conference, and started that journey. I've been fortunate to do some work with. Um, uh, superstar Patrick Snow yeah. and uh, contributed to the leading preteens book with Patrick Snow and did some consulting with them when they were starting that conference and they're doing those guys are you know top notch they're the leading leading people in that stuff but it's just a big always been a big passion of mine that age group fantastic I, I should probably mention Gordon and Becky West wrote a book years ago uh, on preteen ministry that was kind of cutting edge and I, I think it's uh, probably still available so anyway uh, I asked you to come on the podcast. I want to do interviews uh, with kids pastors that I know um, that have something to say. And um, they may or may not be known. I'm not targeting people who have an audience. I'm targeting people who have a heart for ministry, have years of experience, and, and have a passion. And I know many times when we've talked, um, I've just enjoyed our talk, sometimes out hiking. Um, and here in Colorado, we've enjoyed some great conversations. And uh, you mentioned one thing you would love to talk about is ministry outside the walls of the church. 
you know, today we hear so much about uh, great facilities and there's great companies out there now that will come in and there's churches that, you know, do incredible things to make the environments, that's a big word now, uh, making the environment kid-friendly. And I'm that's wonderful. I say, hey, if you can do that, do it. I'm not uh, against that. Um, but that presupposes children coming into the church. And as we all know, we're in a post-church culture and getting families to actually come to church is a challenge. So we can have a multi-million dollar or maybe not multi-million, but an incredible facility. But if they never actually visit the church, what good is a facility that they never see? And so we've got to address how do we reach those people so that they can come and see the amazing ministry that we've done. So um, talk to us a little bit about your journey and, and how you've done that and take it away, man. Right. Well, well, Carl, it was, you know, I've always had that, that heart and we've you know, done things over the years, but it really just kind of started to come together when, when I arrived here at LifeBridge Christian Church about six years ago. And, uh, you know, we, we call ourselves an externally focused church. Uh, pastor's written a book on, on that subject. And it really takes shape and a different shape than everything else I've seen um, regarding ministry outside uh, the walls of your church. You know, a lot of times we do ministry outside the walls with an ulterior motive or kind of a bait and switch. You know, um, sometimes our mentality is, oh, let's go into the school and we'll, we'll paint some fences and plant some flower gardens. But a lot of times we come back around and go, well, hey, remember all that stuff we did for you? Can we run a Bible study in your school? And, and you know, and, and I'm not suggesting, I don't mean that as a judgment. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I, I think in the culture that we're in, it's um, a lot of times people out there in the community, their feelers are up. It's, it's, well, what's your, what are you after? What's your ulterior motive? Yeah. And I, you know, I sometimes say, we say around here, you know, um, you know, love your neighbor because you're a Christian, not just because you want them to become one. So how are you making an impact on your community? And we would say here, um, if, if you, if the doors of your church shut tomorrow, your church cease to exist, would anybody in your community even care? And would they fight for you to stay open? Would you have made such an impact in your community that your school system and your social justices, uh, your adoption agencies, that, that they would fight for you to stay open because you've made such a big impact in this community? So that's some of the some of the ideas and ideals around uh, the ministry here. But for me, you know, you arrive here new, uh, <clears throat> you got fresh set of eyes. And I remember coming into this place and my, my uh, associate pastor asking me, hey, I know you've been checking things out. I'd like you to share at the next meeting with the leadership team, you know, where you're heading, what kind of things you think you see. You know, and I'm in typical, you know, operation mode. I'm very much been a part of program churches and big events and all of those things and, and working with creative people. So we know how to do that. And I'm um, a very visual as well. So when I got here, the low-hanging fruit was, oh, gosh, this facility hasn't been updated in a long time. They don't have any branding. Um, and I remember sitting in that meeting with the leadership team, and I'm all excited to share. I'm all geeked out and like, oh, man, they're going to they're gonna love what I have to say. And you kind of get in that, you know, like, oh, man, I'm going to hear angel choirs behind me when I share my ideas. And they're going to be like, wow, what did we do without Craig? Thank goodness he's here. And I remember sharing all this stuff and things that I saw and things that I think we should do inside this facility. And then, it's, and then I stopped. And then it was just like quiet for a while. I mean like crickets almost, you know. Wow. 
awkward silence. And I'm just waiting going, oh, man, what? You know, starting to sweat a little bit. And a guy named Brian Mavis, who kind of heads our externally focused stuff, he he speaks up and he says, hey, Craig, he says, "I, I love everything you're talking about. I don't have any issues. I think it's great. I even think we should do all of that. And that's great, Craig, for the three or 400 kids that are coming here on the weekend. But what about the thousands of kids in this community that are never going to walk through these doors? And I just, I went home that night. I, I Carl, I might have been up for, for a week, like just every night, just pondering that. Like it just weighed, weighed heavy on me. And um, it just really, really, uh, you know, captured my heart and started to readjust the way that I'm thinking through children's ministry. And, and I, and it's not a matter of one or the other, right? It's, it's both, it's both and, and, but it's, it sometimes can, it was just one of those things that just gave me that reprogramming and reprogramming that I needed because there are, because, and even from the sense of we spend a lot of time on the stuff in here thinking that that's, what's going to bring people in. Yeah, you know, do a lot of that stuff, and I'm not suggesting that it doesn't or that it can't. I think that it does, um, <clears throat> but even with that, there's a lot that never will, and so we have to be thinking both of those. And for us, um, uh, you know, a lot of the a lot of the stuff we do outside is okay. How is it making an impact uh, in your community? You know, how you know, we before we get to the what that resulted in, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to share with you and our listeners. Um, what changed my thinking uh, mm-hmm. when you know a lot of most children's pastors have heard George Barna's book the uh, raising spiritual champions book it's a super long mm-hmm. title but it's a great book and and we loved it because we've always known the, the stats on most people become to Christ as a child but he was the first one to kind of substantiate that with some scientific research and so we could put that book you know in our pastor's hands and uh, before the book came out, our whole pastoral staff went to a Barna conference. And, um, and it was great because first he did a worldview seminar about the declining worldview in the church. And then he did a children's ministry conference about how important children's ministry was. And, um, and then he did two others. But at, at the, the final session, oh no, at the beginning of the children's ministry seminar, Barna walked up to the podium. And that book wasn't out yet. And, uh, and he just stood there silently. And it got kind of awkward because we're all waiting for him to start talking and he just stood there. And everyone's kind of looking around, looking around. And then he did the coolest thing. He said, I'd like you pastors to put away your sermon prep. And then more awkward silence. He said, I'm serious. Put away your sermon prep. Do it. Well, then there was this rustle of paper throughout the whole room. And I got chills down my spine he says you Mm. thought you were going to work on your sermons during this session on kids ministry he and then he was kind of ticked and he said uh i've had pastors call me and wanted me to move the children's ministry session to fourth so they could leave early and he said i had children's pastors senior pastors call me wanting a 25 percent discount because they didn't want to pay for a work seminar on children's ministry and he said, but it's second for a reason. He said the first session was on a declining worldview in the church. And the second session's on kids' ministry because that's where the solution is, you know. And then he unpacked it from there, and it was great. He went through all the stats. And, of course, I was feeling really good, like, hey, because I'm the kids' pastor, and I don't know if I was the only one there or not. 
So we went back and it was kind of awkward in the car because I kind of felt like my ministry got puffed up, you know. Well, my youth right. pastor came to me a couple days later and uh, and he was very respectful and he said, you know, hey, I really appreciated what Barna said, but he said, I want to push back a little bit if, if you don't mind. And uh, he said, this isn't a contest. This isn't kids ministry versus youth ministry. He says, we both have our calling and they're both valid. But he said, I do want to ask you a question. And I said, sure, fire, shoot away, Jim. And he said, he said, in the youth ministry, he gave me a list of names of teenagers. He said, this is a list of the teenagers that have come to Christ in the last year from unchurched families. And there was a hundred of them. And he said, uh, I'm just curious. And he said again, and he really bent over backwards to say this was not a contest. He was not judging the kids ministry. This wasn't a I'm better than you or youth ministry is better than kids ministry. And I appreciated his spirit. So um, nobody jump on him. But he said, can you give me a list of kids who have come to Christ in the last year who are not in Christian homes? And I said, I don't know. And he said, because my contention is most of the kids who come to Christ at church would have come to Christ anyway. You know, because they're in a Christian home. Mom and dad probably would have prayed with them. You know, the parents are doing the foundation laying. They're bringing them to church. And so he said, there's a little bit of feather in the cap for kids ministry that the feather really belongs to the parents. And, Mm -hmm. um... And so he said, I'm just, I'm just curious you know, if, if there's any kids out there, those thousands that you're talking about, who you're leading to Christ that otherwise would not have known Christ. And uh, mm-hmm. so I took that to my team and I said, you know, Jim's made a challenge. And, and I think it's a fair challenge because it's a kingdom challenge. It's, you know, yeah. the same thing. It's not youth ministry versus kids ministry. It's kingdom. And I said, how many names can I go back to Jim with? And we went over our stats and our valuations and our salvation cards because, you know, Baptist churches really fill out their salvation cards. And I wasn't at a Baptist church, but, you know, we have those stats. And, and uh, but anyway, we, we had none. We couldn't mm. come up with one kid that had come to Christ through our ministry. And uh, so it totally changed how we did ministry. And before I get into how that changed us, I just thought that that's good to share because that pastor gave you a great challenge. That's great for the kids to come, but again, they're yeah. they have they're coming by and large. The kids don't drive to church, you know. Yeah. They're not walking to church. In an inner city ministry, they may be. Our church has an inner city location that, by and large, the kids are walking there. It's awesome, um, but they're coming with parents who at least are spiritually interested, if not saved. Um, but right. I but I appreciated his thing going. How are you reaching kids? who otherwise would not reach, would never come to know Christ? And it's, it's a powerful yeah. question. So what, what, what did that look like? How did that change um, what you did? I mean, obviously, you, you still have a fantastic Sunday morning ministry. I've, I've been up there as a guest. I've, I've seen what you do. It's amazing. Yeah, you know, here, here's the good news. Because this is already externally focused church, there's some things that were community-oriented that are already happening that now I get to be part of and, and help champion. Um, we, we partner with an organization called Kids Hope USA. Um, I know there's other organizations that do this, but um, it's connecting in your schools, providing um, one-on-one mentors for at-risk kids in the school. 
Um, for some of those kids, it's the best hour in in their in their life. That week. is that a nationwide Do, ministry or local? It is nationwide. Yeah, Kids Hope USA is nationwide. Well, send send me uh, a link later, and I'll put that in the show notes. Definitely will. And um, but I think I think somebody here sought out that organization to help run from a heart that they had to get in. If I go back to when I talk about when we go to schools and say, oh, we'll come and paint some fences, and and that needs to be done. But I, I would challenge you that if. If you went to your, your school superintendent or the principal at a school or the district and you asked them, what is your number one issue here or number one need? And from the standpoint of, hey, let's see if we can help. It's probably not going to be faints pen, uh, faints pending, <laughs> paint fencing or, or planting a garden. Yeah, Probably going to be much deeper than that. That they've got, you know, real issues that they're not getting help with. And so um, we've got uh, close to 200 uh, mentors one-on-one in a school with a kid that's teamed at risk for social or academic or um, from all different kinds of backgrounds. Kids with parents in prison, kids with, you know, uh, really crummy home situations. And it's one hour a week um, helping that kid, meeting at the school on the property for the whole year. What we've seen now, I mentor, I've mentor. i mentored kids myself too. Um, what you do with a lot of them is moving up all the way through uh, their elementary years if you start with them young. And we've even seen now we're able to expand in our district to uh, middle school. Some of the middle schools are allowing it. And we're tr- working next on moving on to high school with some of these kids, that wow. long-term mentoring. And, you know, the, the challenges there, you know, are because it's public school, um, not being able to outright uh, in that environment talk straight up about jesus and we've had some people challenge us on that we had somebody that asked one of our pastors like you know well you know why are we going to do this if we're never going to get the chance to you know talk out loud about jesus with them and one of our pastors kind of uh, gracefully admonished him to say you know what you're right i i can't guarantee you that if you do this that you'll ever get that opportunity to speak out loud about jesus to this kid but if you don't come and love on this kid and mentor this kid, I can guarantee you, you never will. Yeah. You know, and what's great about this organization is it's a faith-based organization. So it does set up prayer partners for you. Um, it's, it's, you know, all the boundaries are set up in school, but at the end, a lot of, um, parents give permission to continue to see a mentor over the summer. There's rules and boundaries set up there for, for protection of kids and yeah. everything. So it, done in groups but we we can see kids coming into our church events from that you know that attitude of what do you need um when i was Mm -hmm. in barrington illinois uh we had a school almost across the street from the church so i went and met with the principal and i just said you know hey i'm the children's pastor over here at the village church a lot of my kids go to your school um i'm we we have some similar concerns obviously we're focused on their spiritual development you're focused on their educational development, uh, but there's overlap. Um, is there some way I can, can, can help meet your needs? And, um, and he said, well, honestly, our, our biggest issue that we're not addressing well, and this was uh, in the late 90s, was he said uh, just educating them on the dangers of, of drugs and alcohol, you yeah. know. And uh, he said, w- w- you know, could you do an assembly on that? Um, with, without using the Bible. I said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a show, and I called it Be Wise, Avoid Lies. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing, because I talked about how there is a plan for your life, how you were created for a reason, 
you know, and I used my puppet Gus and I used object. It was like kids church, but it was Mm -hmm. all truth. And it's all, it was all God's truth. I didn't reference the Bible, but you know what? As as I went in there and served and then I started, they needed lunch moms. I became a lunch mom (laughs) and I'd show up with the chicken nuggets and the kids at my church would sit. Well, I broke down the stereotype of what a pastor was. And yes. then they would hear the kids talking about outreaches and things we're doing at church, Halloween things and fall fest and stuff like that. And I had the principal ask me, well, hey, can we send home flyers with all the kids? And I experienced yeah. no separation of church and state um, because yeah. um, I would end up bringing flyers over. And I'd say, well, yeah, we're doing a fall fest. It's kind of a Halloween alternative, a safe place for kids and families. And, you know, we weren't preaching the gospel. at a, you know, That was a bridge building event. So... Um, he'd say, yeah, we'll, we'll set a flyer home with every kid. And then the yeah. families would come I to the church, that- you know, and it, but, it, but it, it didn't start with me going over there and saying, Hey, I've got an event at the church. Would you pass out flyers to the kids? Cause right. they would have said no, you know, yeah. but he actually asked me for the flyers. Yep. It's bridge building. It's meeting the need. It's letting them see that you actually care about the community. And it's not, you know, if, if they sniff out that oh, you're only doing this because of this, because of this, that's just that, hey, love these people. Let them know that's genuine. And those relationships will build and form, you know, over time. And the impact that uh, the impact this is having on the schools here, their teachers throw us celebration parties and thank you parties. And we get, you know, notes and things back from them about the impact that we're having in the schools there. So that's that that's pretty phenomenal, uh, you know, thing that's happening. You know, we we live, Carl, here we're Boulder County, Boulder. Uh, is um, was voted a couple years ago. I think it tied for first, maybe with Portland as least religious city in the nation. Yeah. So dealing with you know people that in a culture that aren't interested in coming to church. Um, some of the other things we've done, Carl, and part of our initiatives too, we've been chasing and kind of following and developing this um, neighboring initiative, um, which is you know, what is what is you know Jesus say the two most important things: uh, love Lord your God. And, and the second is equal, love your neighbor as yourself. And um, we've, we've been doing, there's a lot of churches kind of picking up on this. It seems so simple. I think one of the things what we've done over the years is <clears throat> we take that passage and we make everybody our neighbor, right? Well, my neighbor is, uh, you know, it's the person at my work and my sports team and the person over in Uganda. And so by making everybody our neighbor, then sometimes nobody's our neighbor. Yeah. So we've kind of really narrowed it down to um, we've done this. Uh, we we called it a sheet of shame, and it was like we asked people to can you name your neighbors across from you and to your right, and to your left, and behind you, or within a you know five or six houses? Can you name their names, their kids, and what they do for a living? The results were anemic. Like no, I mean it was a failure, right? Wow. And and um, so we're like, how how are we engaging? We have people who don't know Jesus potentially all around us where we where we live, and we're pulling into our garages and shutting them and never engaging those people. Yeah. So um, those are things that when I got here, we were starting to wrestle with as well. So some practical ideas, um, you know, we like a lot of churches. We run the big Easter egg hunt here. Yeah. I, oh, uh, I was going to ask you about your Easter egg. Yeah. I love this. Yeah, it is. To me, it was a great, great idea. Uh, so we've been running the Easter egg hunts here, and you know, you get thousand people from the community, and it's it's you know glorious Easter chaos, and um, you know, 
and then, you know, they go and, and, you know, we, you try follow up and you try those things and, you know, there's some success on that. And I know we like to say, well, if just one comes back, it was worth it. And I was like, I was twitching at the end of it, <laughs> the money and the people and the time resources. Like, there might be an easier way to reach one person. Maybe I'll just go invite my neighbor to church. Yeah, yeah. So, but what we did was kind of a handhold to help people with this. Is we did we canceled our Easter egg hunt here, which you know, sacred cow. You know, you're going to take it on the chin for that. But we moved our egg hunts to the neighborhood, and we created this uh, Easter egg kit, neighborhood Easter egg kit, and that was just kind of a way to have something physical to help them with that. Yeah. We got many eggs in it. We got candy donated. There was an egg dye kit and a generic uh, template for an invitation. And the goal was, hey. Um, do this in your neighborhood. And for some of you, that might just be inviting a couple houses next to you. Some of you might live somewhere with a common green space and you're going to get 30 houses and talk to everybody. Some of you might run up to the school, but this is not us coming and planning this for you. This is you engaging your neighbors. It's not programmed and doing this. And what was cool, Carl, was the first year, um, we had over 800 people engaged in the neighborhood egg hunts all over our How our, many uh, egg hunts did you do? Uh, I'd have to go back and look uh, uh, to see. I, I think I want to say like maybe, maybe 30, 40, or 50. Um, wow. And some of them were like small yeah. and some of them were huge, right? So it was – some of them was just, hey, just our neighbors next door came to our backyard. And uh, some of them were like, yeah, we did it in our green space. And we, there was like 80 people there. So the thing was is, is that there was almost just as many people as if we had held it here at the church. But the win was people were engaging and the stories and testimonies we had come back were just awesome. Like we talked to neighbors that we haven't talked to in five years. Yeah. We, we engage with neighbors that we've just we've lived here 12 years and never spoken a word to them. And then people are asking, what are we going to do next? Let's get together for Fourth of July. So it's bridge building. Right. Yeah. And it's empowering our people to do and, it. And that's what we ended up doing. Our children's ministry team, we got together and we said, OK, how do we reach the unchurched kids? And and uh, I always preface, I'm not anti VBS. VBS is great. If you do VBS, God bless you. Um, yeah. But my evaluation or our team's evaluation was that VBS was not successful as an outreach. And we right. decided that doesn't mean it's a bad event. And we determined and we we came back to VBSs, but we decided our purpose of VBS was to create significant spiritual memories for kids. It was a bridge back to the church when they grow older and they get busy and they stray from the church and they become parents. VBS is that thing that will bring them back as they'll become parents <laughs> They'll see a VBS in the neighborhood, and they'll go, oh, I went to VBS as a kid. It was a blast. I'm taking my kid to VBS. So we actually viewed VBS as bridge building to the future. Um, right. but, but when the youth pastor challenged us to reach unchurched kids, we said unchurched kids don't come to VBS. They used to. I think, I think several decades ago, VBS was evangelistic. Um, yeah. But I think we're, we've gotten committed to a program and not why the program was created. And um, mm -hmm. so we created what we called Backyard Bible Blasts. And I basically went to families in the church and we said, we're not doing VBS this year, but we will, um, I put together a team and said, all you need to do is give us your yard, invite your neighbors, we'll make the invite. And then you're the registration table as they come, you sign up, sign them in, you know, greet them. And then I'll bring the program. And I, the first year, 
I made it so easy. I came myself. I did a magic show. I did Gus. It was like, you know, mini kids church in your yard. I led games. I had my kids crew come and I had some adult helpers. And, um, and then we did those all summer in yards. Same thing. We, we went from, uh, 80% of the kids that came to them were unchurched kids. Then we mm-hmm. did a fall outreach kids crusade, built a castle with a drawbridge and got the youth group doing the band. And I did a big magic show and we had dramas and everything. And during that three day fall outreach, we invited everybody. Boy, I really did uh, turn all my of course, stuff off. Carlos, right. I'm professional. I don't it's know so if I'm going to come back. For yeah. Uh, I was going to have you for the hundredth. Now I won't. So, um, yeah. but anyway, we had 93 kids get saved during those three days. Yeah. And I was able to go back to our youth pastor with a sheet. I didn't hit the hundred, but we went back with 93 kids that were unchurched that came to Christ. And, uh, and it was awesome. So the next summer we did backyard Bible splashes. And uh, I went into Costco one day and they had this giant inflatable water slide with water cannons. And, and I was thinking, man, every kid that comes into Costco is like, dad, dad, buy that for me. And I'm thinking, right. Dad's like, hey, I ain't buying it for you. A, it's 900 bucks. B, it's going to destroy my lawn. And um, so I got my pastor to let me buy that thing. And we promoted that for one day, we'll bring that to your yard. And with that year, no magic show. We just did water games. And I actually didn't do like a gospel message. We did um, like God loves you. He's a plan for your life. But my theory was um, I don't want my kid to go to a neighbor's house to play and come home and say, hey, I'm Muslim, Dad. Uh, I would feel betrayed, you know, mm-hmm. and so um, I want them to come to the people's houses and feel like that trust was not violated. But when we right. invite them to church as a follow-up event, hey, you come on the church property, we're going to share what we believe. So likewise, yeah. I'll send my, some of my son's best friends are Mormon, and we trust that when they're over there playing, they're not trying to convert him. But we, we, yeah. we respectfully decline invitations to church events because we know that if he goes to their church, then that's where they're going to try to make a Mormon out of him. And, and we know that and we respect that. And uh, so we want that. We want to honor that in reverse. Um, so we did these backyard Bible splashes and same thing. Uh, we had all kinds of kids uh, that were unchurched uh, come to Christ in our follow-up outreaches. So I'll post a link to pictures in the show notes um, to our water wars and our backyard Bible blasts because I've got a page on my blog with all the pictures. But it's fun. So, um, so what's some of the results that you've seen in, in doing this? You've mentioned some of them already. Yeah, I think for, for some of it, for us, you know, and, and we've been stumbling through, you know, we've been in an environment allowed to, you know, risk and fail for some of this. Um, uh, so some of the challenges with that, you know, I'll first say this, all of those, we built a lot of things around the holidays for people to uh, engage in their neighborhoods, right? And and this is just around rather than looking and saying what events are we doing here, trying to get them come, and then also not us coming to a neighbor. We're not coming to your neighborhood. You are your neighborhood. Yeah, we and had so people calling the church office wanting to know where our events were, and we said the yeah. only way to find out is if the host of that church of that home invites you, because we'd have families team up. But I said we, right. we're not publishing a lo- locations. Because this, yeah. this isn't people visiting them. The only yeah. way to know, they were top secret. But if the Blackwells invite you to theirs, then you'll know when and where it is. But otherwise, it's their outreach. Yeah. 
and, and we yeah what we didn't want is that is that oh it's pastors coming in and just programming there this is this is you taking initiative and doing this so we we you know put out a lot of stuff around holidays simple things you know uh, are you inviting you know people over for cookie decorating party you know uh, Halloween instead of doing the large carnival event here it's you know we felt like we're okay we're pulling people out of neighborhoods you know where they could be engaged yeah I and, remember and a blog post last year a guy said all the Christians' homes are dark. On Halloween yeah. night, when they ought to be yeah. a light, you know. Yeah, and, and I'm not. You know, and I stop short of saying like, you know, I've I've read some articles where they're like, this is wrong, and you shouldn't be doing this. It, it's okay. You know what? There's people that are doing the carnival thing and having great success at it. Every community is different. Every yeah. church is going to be different. So there's people that are going to do the big carnival and have great success and see good results. And for us, um, our results are harder to measure. Because we're talking about long-term building relationships, but then the challenge is that we need to start getting those people to turn conversations towards uh, Christ and towards you know those things. And so um, it's not quick results on those things. The other thing, Carl, a little bit of a challenge, like even with the Easter egg hunt, um, it's kind of hard to be sustainable, right? Like we did it for three years holding their hands, but it's kind of one of those goals that you hope it becomes part of their DNA that they start to do it. But yeah. what we're wrestling with is, well, what's the cycle to bring new people into that where we do need to hold their hand, you know, through that. And we haven't given up on events, you know, too. We still do events. We see value and and we see people coming to those just in our community, not in large numbers. So we're trying to, you know, an event might be a follow up because you well, you get committed some- to the event and not the reason yeah. you did the event. You know, the important thing, you know, often people want to know what other churches do and they want to do what that church did. Like, I'm sure some are going to do your Easter egg idea because they heard it here. That's fine, and that's great. But the important thing is to go, how are we going to reach the lost outside our church, and how are we going to equip our people to reach their neighbors? And and, and everybody's going to come up with different answers because it's not a matter of the, 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 the application of those questions can be as different as the church or the community that asks those questions. So sure. Well, fantastic. So, <clears throat> you, yeah, you, some of that too is just how we how we uh, how we communicate with our leaders. You know, we say you know, and, and you know, look, it's semantics, and, and I don't get hung up on it when people say it. But when people say, "Oh, we love our kids, we love our life kids," it's like, no, we love kids, right? Let's remember yeah. that we love kids. So if you're you're here and part of our children's ministry team because you love kids, then that means you love the kids in your neighborhood too. Yeah. And the kids on your on your sports team and those things. And so, how are you constantly thinking through the eyes of the kid, whether it's your neighborhood, community, school, whatever that is, who doesn't know Christ? Yeah, Amen. How are you engaging them? Good. Well, good questions. I hope people will take time to ponder them. Um, I always uh, end with two questions uh, yep. of uh, my guests um, to try to get them to listen to the end because this is the juicy stuff. Um, so, real quick, one recruiting tip because everyone always needs recruiting help what's one thing that you do um to get new volunteers because we're always short on volunteers we always need help what's one of your aces up your sleeve uh i i curl up in the fetal position and rock and cry and just cry the lord all right great i think i think they know that one though they know Uh, that one okay yeah um, man, you know, the thing, Carl, is, is I, I say, man, it takes everything and try everything. But one of the things for us is comes from the value of um, you recruiting people to something important and valuable. And, and we think that our, our, our own people are our best recruiters because they know 
why are you here? Why do you come every week and do this? Like they keep showing up. It's crazy, right? So um, we want them to tell the stories to people they know. So one of the things, just a simple practical thing is we've got, you know, the little coffee shop here. So we'll hand out um, coupons, two coupons uh, for free coffee. And we say, hey, you know somebody in your small group or in your circle of people here that you think might be great at this. And um, and uh, so we'd like you to uh, take these free coffee coupons, invite them to meet you before or after a service. And just sit with them and share share with them the why. You know, tell them the why you do this. And that, you know, every week I get to hang out with these kids and, and love on them. And you know, I, I see a kid who's you know afraid of you know whatever, and I get to share with them that he doesn't have to be afraid because God's bigger than that. And so share the why. And then invite them, you know, and say, hey, I'm not asking you to sign on a dotted line, but man, I think you would be great at this working with me. And I'd love for you to come and observe. So that's just a simple, practical thing. Cool. Um, I like that. I like that. Awesome. And if you don't have a coffee shop in your church, uh, we know that Jesus drank coffee because the Bible says he brews. Correct. That right? is correct. Right? He brews. Yes. So, um, um, yeah, give him, give him Starbucks cards, you know, meet yeah, anywhere. Absolutely. Was, you know, All right. Yeah. Second one. What's what's one of your secrets for staying healthy in ministry and surviving kids ministry? It's one of the toughest ministries in the church, so demanding. There's always fires yeah. to put out and and many sadly burn out. So how how you've been doing this a long time. You're a dinosaur, you said. So Yeah, I'm, um, I'm old. Yeah. You're not extinct. How have you kept from going extinct yet? <laughs> uh so, Carl, my answer is the same. I curl up in the fetal position and rock and cry out to the Lord. <laughs> is, is that sucking your thumb, too? That's sucking my thumb, yeah. I forgot. People listening didn't see that. But, yeah, I was sucking my thumb. Um, no, you know, for, for me, Carl, and um, it's, you know, I, I, I'm, disciplines are tough for me. And um, uh, so I, I try to carve out, I take Wednesday mornings, I try and carve out two hours. It's just short of non-negotiable. Um, that I don't come into the office. I don't stay at home either. I'm too easily distracted. Um, so I need for me to have a time where I am immersed in just prayer and God's word and undistracted. I have to I have to get out in a way I have to be because, yeah, like I said, squirrel, that's me, you know. Yeah. So uh, I'm fortunate uh, where I'm at um, to be in a pretty beautiful place. You're I can drive Carl. Car's going to turn red as I say this. I can drive uh, 10 minutes up the way and literally be like Creekside with, you know, babbling brooks and or I can be at a lake or up in the mountains pretty fast. And so I try and set aside that time to go do that, shut the phone off, ring my Bible, and I'm, I'm praying, you know, doing a lot of praying um, and then reading God's Word. I'm not, there's no agenda. I'm not bringing work stuff with me. If anything work-related is just praying for my staff, praying for my volunteers, uh, praying for the kids, uh, those kind of things. And well, I'm you're living out the principles of Mark 135. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. So it's, you got to do it. You got to get up. He went away. He got away from everything. Found a solitary place. So that's, yeah. you know, isolation, you know, where he prayed. And um, not everyone can get up very early in the morning before it's dark. We're all wired differently. But that yeah, getting I, up, doing it, that's the getting part away, I don't do. yeah, the solitude and the prayer. Um, and if Jesus needed that, you know, if you look at the next chapter of Mark, the next day was an incredibly busy day. So right. he knew he needed that because he anticipated 
the ministry schedule uh, that was ahead of him. Um, and he did that. So, well, fantastic, uh, Craig. Thanks for, for your time. Um, thanks for um, what, all that you've done to invest in others, equipping, encouraging others for the difference you're making in kids up there, not just at LifeBridge, um, but in the community up there. I love what you said. If your church went out of business, would the community notice? Uh, would they miss you guys? And we didn't talk about it, but you know there was some severe flooding up in your area a while ago. And uh, yeah. tell me if I get this right. The Red Cross showed up, and when they got there and they saw how much your church was doing, they redirected their resources elsewhere. Is that right? Yeah, that was pretty amazing. We we're, you know, man, there's some just really uh, amazing people on the staff here. And uh, yeah, they showed up and they were like uh, thinking that they were going to have, oh no, a church is managing this. We were hosting uh, National Guard search and rescue and we were the main evacuation center. And uh, Red Cross, I think, came down thinking we're going to have to set everything up. And they got here and they looked and said, um, we would do it different, but I don't think we would do it better. <laughs> and uh, so they just they just left and said we're going to direct our resources elsewhere and um, um, you know and that was community effort too not just our church that's one of the things too in this community is that we work with other churches and everybody jumps yeah. in and pitches in and, uh, so yeah that was a pretty uh, difficult uh, time um, through here and and you know we were just fortunate to help be a, a lighthouse for some people. But what a, what a testimony yeah. that what you're sharing is not theory and concept it's something your church is doing and uh you are part of the community and you're making a big difference and um so it's awesome so thanks thanks for sharing yeah hey thanks carl thank you for your ministry and uh thank you mostly for your friendship that's been one of the coolest things carl and i we met long long time ago at a children's pastors conference yeah when i had a for my curriculum and and uh and uh, you've just been a big champion for me and support for me and then man when i got to move here to colorado six years ago it's been cool because we've been able to do we need to do more hiking right we do, uh, we do. i've been able to have you out and do some awesome ministry for our events and things and uh so uh, you've been a huge blessing to us so appreciate your friendship more than anything but cool deal well, thank you, Craig, for joining us, folks. Thanks for listening. Hey, I love to hear from you guys, whether it's Twitter at Kidologist or Kidman Talk. You can always drop me an email, Carl at KidmanTalk.com. Those do go directly to me. And uh, hey, if, uh, if I can't come visit your church, check out the video training. I'd love to just Skype with your volunteers and equip and encourage them in that way. So until next time, this is Carl and Craig, and uh, keep on keeping on.